Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host, Natalie Pearson, and I'm also Curriculum Coordinator here at the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. In June and July this year, 2023, over the Australian Winter Intensive Period, SIAC ran not one but five multidisciplinary field schools to Southeast Asia. Over six weeks, we took 88 students from 16 different disciplines to five different countries. Funded by the New Colombo Plan, these short-term mobility programs are our flagship offering for undergraduate students at the University of Sydney. Over the years, SIAC has taken hundreds of students to Southeast Asia to learn about issues that lend themselves to a multidisciplinary approach. We've looked at topics as diverse as urbanisation in Vietnam, women's empowerment in Indonesia, and water in Singapore. We try to make our field schools as multidisciplinary as possible, with at least three different faculties or schools represented on each field school. The Urbanisation Field School, for example, had students from urban planning, medicine, and development studies. These field schools have a powerful effect on students. They are challenging, demanding, and intensive They are also immensely rewarding, giving students their first taste of what it is like to do collaborative research and think beyond their discipline. For many students, it is their first time in Southeast Asia. And even for those who have been to the region before, being a student researcher on a multidisciplinary field school is vastly different to visiting as a tourist. Many students continue their engagement with the region through employment, research, or simply through the friendships they made on the field school, both with other University of Sydney students and with local students in country. And there is always at least one student on a field school who has that completely transformational, eye-opening experience, where their goals and priorities shift and something seems to click for them. Suddenly, they have clarity about what they want to do and who they want to be. We're immensely proud of them, the field schools and the students. So we thought we'd share some of their brilliance through this special SEAC series on our five most recent field schools and the transformation that occurs when undergraduates are given the opportunity to work across disciplines and across cultures. In today's special field school podcast, we will be talking with students and staff from the field school to Timor-Leste, which was looking at disability and work in Timor-Leste. This field school was offered to students from social work, psychology and occupational therapy. I'm joined by my co-leader, Dr. Kim Bulkley, who is a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Medicine and Health, and two students, Rosie and Alana. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Natalie. How are you going? Um, I'm going to start by asking you all to introduce yourselves. Tell us your name and your disciplinary background, what you're teaching in the case of Kim or what you're studying in the case of Rosie and Alana. Hi, my name's Kim Bulkley. I'm a lecturer, senior lecturer in the occupational therapy discipline in the Faculty of Medicine and Health. I also have a role in the Centre for Disability Research and Policy, and that's really what brought me to be part of this field school. My research and most of my teaching is around critical disability studies. So this topic of looking at employment, people with disability in Timor Leste was very close to my heart, as well as the opportunity to be in an interdisciplinary field school. And of course, we can't mention Kim without also mentioning Marg, the other co-leader, Dr. Marg Spencer from Social Work. So shout out to Marg, who's not with us today, but was certainly very present on the field school. Okay, Rosie and Alana, please introduce yourselves. 
Hi everyone, my name is Alana. I am studying occupational therapy um, and I'm in my second year currently. Bon dia. My name is Rosie. I'm in my second last year of a social work degree. I've just finished placement, which Timor Leste was a part of my placement. So yeah. Congratulations on getting through placement. I guess I'll start with you, Rosie, because you've got the mic right in front of you. Why did you apply for this field school to Timor Leste and what were your expectations? I think I purposely kept my expectations sort of not low, but I didn't want to think too much about what I expected it to be because I wanted to come in with it open mind. So I did do that purposefully. The reason why I wanted to go to the field school was I, from primary school to high school, I was in like various different volunteer programs through my high schools. Like I went to a school that was right next to a big disability school in the area. And so I sort of just grew up a lot around that sort of space. And then the opportunity was presented by Marg in our lecture space and never been to Southeast Asia. Never, I was never able to go to the school, field schools that my school offered because they were always, I don't know, they're always very expensive, very competitive. I applied I didn't think necessarily that I was going to get it. There was originally only two spots and then when I got it, I was very, very overjoyed and excited and, yeah. And we were thrilled to have you as well. (laughs) I love it when a student hasn't been to Southeast Asia before and it's such a great opportunity to accompany students on their first visit to Southeast Asia and see and learn about a country through a particular lens. Like we were there to learn about disability and work, but we learned so much more about Timor-Leste and the region through that process. How about you, Alana? Why did you apply for the field school? I remember when I saw the email, the initial thing that stuck out to me was it was in Timor-Leste and my sister had been before to Timor-Leste in high school and she always talked about how it was such an incredible experience and I just thought this is an opportunity where I can go practice and be in a different culture, a different country, like what I'm studying. And I was kind of excited by that opportunity, but also I think a bit nervous, but I saw it and I just thought I was the same as Rosie, never been to Southeast Asia before. So it was like a big step. And I just thought, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to apply. Like I might not even get it and stuff. And then I remember seeing Kim in the interview and we had great chats about it and <laughs> it was really good. And I just kind of got excited from there. And then, yeah, I was surprised when I did <laughs> get it. I didn't think I would, but um, I did. And so I was kind of excited by that. Same as Rosie though, went in kind of with an open mind for expectations because I'd never Never been to Southeast Asia before, but I just knew that it would definitely be experiencing a different culture than my own, but I was definitely excited to go as well, yeah. Excellent. So we've heard about why you both applied for the field school and how you were surprised you got it. I think you're both underselling yourselves a lot there, but maybe I could ask Kim to talk about her experience as a field school leader, working with students, not only from your discipline, occupational therapy, but from other disciplines. So we had students also from psychology and social work and what it was like to lead a field school in a place you'd never been before. Thanks. Yeah. I was really blown away, I guess, by the opportunity to have an international experience like that with students. And for me, 
interdisciplinary work is the key around teaching. So from a pedagogical point of view, from a human point of view, being with a diverse group of people is something that I really value. And so for me, I'd never done an international field school before either, and I had never been to Timor-Leste. I have travelled quite a bit in Southeast Asia and in other places. So the international travel bit wasn't the thing so much for me. It was really that intense learning and teaching experience. And it was so lovely to be able to have the opportunity to really connect with a small group of students, to meet students from other disciplines, as well as the Alana and Hannah who I'd taught in other spaces. But it's a very different kind of relationship and such an intense and valuable learning experience. So for me, the pedagogy of doing international field school opportunities is such a rich thing that we need to be offering to our students and I'm really happy to be part of. That's terrific, Kim. Thank you. So one of the things that we do on the field school is language training and we did start the first week. We had two hours of language training every morning, although I think there was one day where we had four hours. That was the first day. I think we're all very tired after that. But what a way to kick off the field school with four hours of Teton on day one. So I might ask Alana to answer this question first, and it, it is about the benefits of learning language as part of a field school. And perhaps if you could use this to think about the broader experience of working across cultures on the field school. Well, I should probably start with Bon dia, Hal, Nianara, and Alana, Contenti Hasuru Ita. So, for those people listening, I just said, Good morning, my name is Alana. It's nice to meet you. I think that kind of just goes to show I, I really enjoyed language training, even though the four hours was, it was long, but it was so fun. I think. The biggest thing for me was being able to communicate with people over there. I think it just shows a sign of respect. But also when we were going out and doing our research projects, being able to kind of have that communication was just so, like, it was invaluable. But then further with that, like with our UNTL students, it was amazing for collaboration that we could converse with them and talk with them. And it just made the experience so much better. And I still talk to some of my friends from... Timor Leste on WhatsApp and I talk in Tetun and then she talks in English and like we try and help each other and stuff. So it's something that I still continue to use and it's just such a great skill. And then I think going into future practice, I think it's just such an important thing to, we always talk about cultural awareness and I think having those skills and recognition, it just kind of shows a little bit more respect to other cultures. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was so fun. And did you expect to enjoy the language as much as you did or did you see it initially as something you just had to get through in order to do the real work? Definitely something I had to get through at first. I I remember thinking, oh, great, we've got four hours today, two hours tomorrow, two hours again, and then we can go do like all the other stuff. But we got in that room and it was the best thing ever. We had Manatina, who was our teacher, and the UNTL students would come halfway through and we would practice with them and they would laugh at us because we would pronounce things wrong, we would say something wrong, and then it became the best, the best of times. We loved walking there every morning and doing language training. Yeah, we were very lucky to be hosted by Asia Foundation who let us use their premises for these language lessons. And I think they were probably quite glad when we left because it was very raucous. There was a lot of laughter every morning. It was so loud. It was so loud. (laughs) How about you, Rosie? Do you want to share with us a little bit about learning a new language and working across cultures? Yeah. Learning a new language was very daunting to me. I've Never. The last time I tried to learn a language was in year eight and nine doing Japanese in high school. I was never very good at it. 
I think it took me a lot longer than quite a few of the other students to like Alana was amazing at it from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but it took me a little bit longer. But throughout the process of towards the end of the week, two weeks that we were there, I really started to think about the like thoughtfulness that we were sort of exercising when we really tried to breach the cultural barriers by trying to speak in Tetum. And you could really notice that all of the people that we were visiting and interacting with and the UNTL students, they really, really valued it. And I think all of us put our all into it and it was, I think they, everyone responded quite well to it and it was a really lovely experience, but it just sort of showed to me the importance of like thinking about decentering even just Western cultures as the norm and we just really sort of took a step back and were like, we are in Timor Leste, this country has its own culture, why would we be entering this place and just talking in English and making ourselves feel comfortable like we really put ourselves in a level of discomfort perhaps like for me it was very scary and daunting but I really towards the end saw how amazing that was taken by everyone around us. Just on the topic of language training you know I really appreciate what Alana and Rosie just shared with us but one of the other great benefits of language training is it's an instant icebreaker within the University of Sydney cohort, not just the students, but the teachers. So could you perhaps share your experience, what it was like to be a learner alongside the students? Yeah. I have never learnt a language in my life ever. So it was terrifying for me to be thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to be in this space. But also a bit like Rosie's saying, for me, it felt so right to be putting myself into a T. Marie's cultural space and being really aware of positioning myself as a learner, all of the field school people as learners, so that we were really open to those cultural insights that language brings. And language teaches you so much about culture, the way a particular word is exists in a culture or the way it's framed in a culture tells you so much about what's valued or what's important or how people go about things. So the respect to people, Mana, before you you said everybody's name, was such a beautiful way to remind us of cultural protocol and cultural practice that language kind of implicitly tells you. So positioning us all as learners in that way, I think, was a really powerful way to to bring us into a respectful way of engaging while we were there, me as a school leader and I think the whole student cohort. Alana and Rosie, you've both mentioned UNTL. So this is the National University of Timor-Leste with whom we were really pleased to partner and we visited UNTL and we had UNTL students participating in the field school and attached to each of the small interdisciplinary research groups as well. Can you perhaps share with us, in addition to working across cultures, could you talk to us a bit about what it was like to work across disciplines, not only within your own University of Sydney disciplines, but with the different disciplinary background that the UNTL student brought to your research as well? So throughout the whole field school, collaboration was the key theme and process. I wrote in a reflection talking about at the end of the field school when we all had to write our reflections in Darwin Airport at about 1am because we were on the red-eye flight. So I will paraphrase because it might be a bit um, sleepy, the words. (laughs) Anyway, I spoke about at university, there is 
a lot of push to do collaboration in various different assignments, but we are taught to work individually for three, four, however many years that you study. So I definitely came to the field school struggling a little bit with collaboration and the process of letting your ideas back and letting someone else's come forward. So the field school was amazing for doing that because we were just pushed to do it at all times. And everyone who was on the field school had so many amazing different ideas. We were all very different. I think I knew more about, say, psychology, occupational therapy I didn't know too much about. And then I learned so much about how connected the two disciplines are. I didn't know that beforehand. I think none of us knew that beforehand. And because we all were were making personal friendships, we were talking about our sort of passions with our disciplines, like disciplinary backgrounds, and then we would go into the educational phase and we'd have sort of an understanding of each discipline's perhaps passions. And it just sort of created this really beautiful exchange of knowledge and passions and then when we met the UNTL students they all came from different backgrounds as well we had education we had community development social inclusion I believe that was all of it the community development was very similar to social work but it obviously had a very Timorese context which was invaluable to the research as these these students knew the needed to be developed in the country they knew the theories they knew the practices they knew all of that and we had perhaps a different understanding from the social work perspective because it's very western but we created a research project at the end mine was about the effect of social capital on social connections and we did a compare and contrast between persons with disabilities and persons without to see the difference in how social capital played out and Mount Danny, who was in my group, there was so many times where there was an idea that we would never have come up with without him because he knew the context, he knew the country, he knew the politicians, he knew the history. And it was just a really, really beautiful exchange of knowledge. Alana? My group member for my research project from UNTL was Nelson and he had a lot of insight on political science and kind of how that correlated to like occupational therapy was something I'd never thought about before and not just occupational therapy but like disability and work in general. So it provided a lot of new perspectives but then we also in my group I had someone from social work and someone from psychology and I think learning here at University of Sydney we always talk about interdisciplinary work OTs working with physios and stuff but it's always kind of talk at the moment it is for me in second year so going over there it was such a practical way to actually experience interdisciplinary work and so Chloe had amazing insights from the social work perspective and it just made me think about especially for our project RHTO in like a new way. To also speak about how what I learned about my discipline while interacting with other disciplines I think I Before the field school, I very much thought that social work was just a very practical discipline, but I think through doing research with occupational therapists and psychology discipline, especially psychology because in my head I always perceived them as the research version of social work, which I since have learnt it's really not the case and as well doing my honours 
after finishing the field school, I've really started to learn that social work research is its own space and it should really be advocated for a lot more and it's pushed up because it's a really, really powerful way to create change. And I just think these field school really, really supported my, not acceptance, but it supported my learning myself about my discipline and how powerful that research can be. And I just think it would be really important for more social work students to experience that and learn that as well, which is hard to, it's not hard, it's not impossible to teach in a classroom, but doing a field school where you're forced, you're doing research for a whole week with multiple different disciplines really like immerses you into it and you really, really learn that aspect of it. Kim, did you want to reflect on this experience of working across disciplines more than you already have? or For me, it was a great opportunity to meet other students from other faculties and disciplines. Working in Faculty of Medicine and Health and Health Sciences, we're quite a big faculty and so we can kind of get a bit lost in there. And so for me, having the opportunity to just have a chat and explore the ideas that both Rosie and Alana have talked about in terms of how that then positions occupational therapy and disability studies, I guess, because that's something I'm really interested in. And we're growing our disability and participation major to be a broader interdisciplinary offering. So having that opportunity to just hear from the students in those other disciplines was really great for me, really helped my understanding. And the other cohort that's not represented here today is, of course, psychology. And they're also a very big cohort. And I absolutely loved when we returned from the field school, they sent us on the field school group chat, a photo of them sitting together in a lecture. And they had, they're in a lecture of 600 students and had not previously met any friends in their lectures before, but now the three of them are very close. So a shout out to psychology who's not represented (laughs) in today's discussion. Okay. Just a couple more final questions. Of course, I do want to know what challenges you faced as part of your participation in the field school and how did you overcome them? I think the biggest thing for me was culture shock. I think when we, before we left, we had our preparation and we talked about culture shock, but I think when I was sitting there, I was just like, it's fine. An actual thing, like culture shock, like how does that actually affect you? And then I went over there and it was culture shock. (laughs) And, you know, you experienced that. I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) You experienced, like, I didn't think you would physically experience that, but lo and behold, I did. And so I think that was a really big challenge for me. But once I actually got over that, it was just such an incredible experience and it wasn't just trying to getting over it because it was learning to like really embrace the culture that was around me and I think part of it came from my first time in Southeast Asia. Went over there and it was hot, we just came from winter and so (laughs) that was a bit of a challenge in itself but just learning to embrace where I was and even though we only had two weeks there, it did go for a long time and I was so grateful it felt like it went for a long time because I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay there and, yeah, it was really hard leaving everyone there. So I think culture shock was a challenge, but once I got over it, it was just such an incredible experience. Yeah, the two weeks is very intensive. It's only a short amount of time, but we pack into every single day and the new learnings that you're being constantly exposed to really does make it a very rich experience. Rosie, how about you? What challenges did you face, either in the lead up to or or during the field school? I can think of two main challenges. As Alana said, culture shock was a part of it. I, coming from social work, there was seven of us and our cohort is quite small. And so I sort of 
battling with culture shock, I think, was different for us because we did know each other. So we had a familial sort of relationship and the person that I shared a room with, Augusta, we were genuinely friends beforehand. Like there wasn't just someone that I met in the process. So that helped and some of the other girls as well. I remember when we first arrived, it was the first or second day, I was really tired. It was really hot and I'm a celiac as well. So the food was a challenge for me. I was quite anxious about it often. And then the second day or so, I sort of had this moment where I sort of thought, oh no, this is a lot. There's there's a lot happening. The There's cars everywhere. It's really hot. The <laughs> There's just so much happening. And I was like, for like a split second, I was like, I want to go home. And then I think, I don't know what changed. I think we went to, the language classes were a lot for me as well. So it was the initial shock of doing that. And then third day, I've settled. I love it here. Everyone's lovely. The community that we had between everyone was just lovely. Like it was, there was no arguments. Everyone got along with everyone. Everyone was able to talk to everyone. You could go and sit next to anyone on the bus and it wouldn't be weird. That was a slow up and down like (laughs) challenge. I think in the second week, my second challenge was doing research and it was the whole week. I think I had a issue of knowing when to stop. So me, my group, I had Chani who was psychology plus discipline, Ali who was social work. So we, there was two of us and then Mal Danny who was community development. We all had a very similar work ethic where I think we were a little bit perfectionist and we really enjoyed the research and were just full in it. But there was quite a few times where we didn't stop working until 10 at night and we had woken up at 9am to do it, but we were just really invested in making sure that our Qualtrics survey was perfect. And people would come past and they'd we'd be sitting outside with our laptops and people would be having their frozen margaritas <laughs> and and they'd be like, Why are you still doing this? Go have dinner. But we really just wanted to keep doing it. And I think we just sort of settled on the fact that we all had if you wanted to leave, we would leave and then come back if you wanted to, but we just were really invested in it. So I don't know if that's actually a challenge or what, but in the end, we were very pleased with our survey results. As you should be. I can see Kim laughing a lot. Would you like to comment on, despite advice that should treat this as a pilot research project, this tendency for some groups to really, I mean, actually all of them, to work so hard and give it their all? I actually think the workload was one of the things that was my challenge as well. Like it may not have looked like it from the student's point of view, but I was actually trying to be available and checking in with people at all different times and trying to keep a bit of a scope, you know, stop the scope creep, you know, because it it really is an issue. It's a thing. (laughs) And so for me, the workload was pretty hectic and just trying to be 
you know, have my radar up around what was going on for people and checking in when people had some tummy issues or whatever. (laughs) 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 Kind of feeling overwhelmed. So, I mean, it was a privilege to be part of that. It was also a demand on me and helping the students to keep the scope in was something that I had to also think about with myself around, you know, what, where does it stop and start in terms of, you know, setting some really firm boundaries or letting people make their own boundaries, but with good advice and information, right? Right. You can't make good choices at times unless you've really got advice and information. And this was the first time many people had done any kind of research project. So helping them to understand the tools and approaches that they could do within the five minutes that you really had to do your project, which was one week. So uh, a great opportunity, though, and great learnings. It was great. So that's a good segue to the second last question, which is what you gained from participating in the field school, whether it was professionally or personally. I definitely found that my passion for OT just, it went through the roof. Like when we went to CNR, which is the Centre for National Rehabilitation, we met the OTs there. I think it was on the fourth day or the third day. It'd been a few days and stuff. And I obviously when we were over there, we were learning about disability and it was amazing. But actually seeing the OTs, which is the discipline that I'm in, it was kind of life-changing. And I think we went there and I think they said, was it a 10 or 11 OTs in the whole of Timor Leste. And that kind of just shook me. And we went into their clinic and it was, they had a little board at the front. It was like occupational tetapia, which is occupational therapy in Tetun. And we walked in there and it was such a small room to be a clinic, but the passion that they all had and enthusiasm they had, it was just amazing. And you kind of felt, I felt like I belonged there. It was just weird sense of just like, oh my gosh, yes, this is what I want to do. And so I think that is both professional but then also going into like the personal I think the friendships that we gained it was incredible we made so many amazing memories any moment with Marg in it was always good that was highlights of the trip but the kind of the group that we formed with the UCID students it still remains today and we're all such great friends and stuff but also the UNTL students when we were leaving the airport they were crying we were crying and you don't think that in two weeks you could become that close to someone but we all went through so much together and so the friendships was definitely something that was amazing. Yeah I really love walking across campus and seeing students from field schools and also knowing that students from different disciplines are connected now across the campus. How about you, Rosie? One of those things you don't know which points to choose to talk about. There were so many experiences that I think were incredibly life-changing for me. The friendships with the social work people were just very much deepened even more. And then cross-disciplinary, two or three days ago, I just saw Paul from psychology just walking past and we had a little chat and had a moment then we said we should book a a day and do another Timor Leste meetup and we have group chats where we all still talk to each other me Mal Danny and I still have see how each other are tracking with what we're doing and you know he's in rural Timor Leste in the municipalities and we're still able to communicate which is just you don't think that that's going to happen after two weeks at all as well the being able to chat just personally with Natalie and Marg and all of you was just an amazing to, I don't know, you don't always get that personal relationship with professors at university. And I feel like like to ask those like really specific questions either about 
your discipline or maybe like the professional steps to get into different, even talking about the intricacies of research, like how do you get into research and what are the expectations that I have to do? Really, really big thing in social work is positioning yourself as the learner and situating your client or service user as the knower in their experience. And I hadn't yet done placement yet when we when I went to Timor Leste, and I think that experience because it was so different to my own life, so different to anything that I'd ever experienced. I was forced to very much so be the learner, and I think I'm just so a lot more prepared for in practice and when I work to situate myself as that because of insanely informative experience that we had there. Yeah, so I think for me the relationships were a key part of it as Alana and Rosie have identified as well. But also for me that sense of really looking at how you translate teaching and learning into another space and that's a skill that I'm continuing to develop and I hope that most teachers see it that way because it's not, you don't land, you have to keep on being open to these opportunities. And so that opportunity to have that really intensive, okay, fly by the seat of your pants a bit, okay, this is what's happening for this group, they want to do a survey, how can we manage that? This group want to do or something else, how can we look at changing that around? So I found that hard but also incredibly fruitful and rich. I guess I'm describing it a bit like a crucible, right, where you've got this really intense thing happening in multiple ways but what you get out of it at the end is this incredible richness. So for me as an educator, for me as a person, for me as an occupational therapist, I just grew immensely through the experience. And I want to add from the perspective of someone working at Sydney Southeast Asia Centre, what a wonderful opportunity it was to draw on the networks that the centre has in Timor. Timor is somewhere where I've done a little bit of research myself in my research capacity, but also SIAC has a lot of networks and contacts which we were able to draw upon, which really made the field school, I think, took it to the next level. And one thing we haven't mentioned, but I think we should, is that we started the field school on day one by meeting with His Excellency President Jose Ramos Horta, who was incredibly generous with the cohort and spent almost two hours talking about his role in hostage negotiations in the past and his vision for democracy in Timor-Leste. And, you know, that was an absolute highlight for me to see those contacts and networks really being operationalised, I suppose, so that our students could benefit from access to credible people like Jose Ramos-Horta and also incredible people like the wonderful students that we worked with at UNTL. And I just add something there as well around that opportunity to be there in that intense way has really helped us with our broader research, which is alongside the field school, you know, that SEAC's leading in making those relationships, building those relationships, having the conversations with those organisations about areas of research interest that we can collaborate on and, and support going forward around employment of people with disability. Okay, final question. What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone about to embark on a mobility experience? My biggest piece of advice, honestly, as simple as it sounds, would be just do it. Apply for it. You might be nervous. You might be scared. I certainly was. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, <laughs> but I did it. And I've come out with amazing friends, incredible memories, a passion for my discipline, 
like an amazing time over there and it was incredible. And to think that I almost didn't like apply because I was too nervous just sounds insane to me now. So I think if you're nervous, if you're worried or something, just just go for it. Take that first step and everything else kind of follows after it because it's honestly life-changing, so memorable, and I 100% would do it again in a heartbeat. If there is one next year, I'm going on it. Like, (laughs) So honestly, just take every opportunity that is given to you and embrace it and just, yeah, make the most out of it. Fantastic. And I have to say, I I love the fact Alana is saying this while she's wearing a Team Reads Tice hairband. And Kim has also worn her coral Timor Leste beads. So we really are seeing Timor Leste brought right here into the podcast studio. I think I bought 10 of those headbands. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Sharing the Timor Leste love around. Rosie, what's your piece of advice? I think my piece of advice would be open and curious to whatever the field school or mobility program provides to you. The whole purpose of the – I don't know if there's still mobility programs that are going to be international, if that's the aim. Even if it is in Australia, even if it's international, just coming and meeting experiences like this with an open mind and curiosity I think is the best possible approach. I That's what I tried to do. As I said earlier, I didn't really want to come with too much context or expectations. I, When I was in high school, we sort of studied Timor-Leste, so I had an understanding of the political dynamics and the history to a certain degree, but I didn't go and research overly what was there because, again, that's I wanted to learn from the ground up and not learn from what researchers have researched on this group of people and these experiences. And we were so, so blessed and honoured to be able to speak to so many persons with disabilities in Timor-Leste. And I think if I had preconceived notions of what I thought their experiences were going to be, it would have been very different. I came in, we had panels and there was six people who had the lived experience of being trying to access work in that country and I just met it with an open mind and curiosity and I just got so much out of it. Kim, hopefully you'll be running these field schools in the future. What's your piece of advice to leaders, perhaps, if you like, or to students? I think one of the things that educators can get stuck in is hitting, you know, particular targets or particular learning outcomes and losing sight of the bigger picture. And so my advice for anybody who's looking at this as an educator is to really value the interdisciplinarity of these schools so that you really are not just talking it, as both Alana and Rosie have spoken about, you're actually doing it. It's such a strong way to learn is to be immersed in that. And the same with that cultural responsiveness and cultural awareness that this is gold, an educator, this way of learning is you get it back 10 times over. So even if there might be a bit more organisation or having to think about how you fit it into your curriculum or your the offerings that you have for students, this is just a launch pad. And from what Alana and Rosie are saying today, this has launched them much more enthusiastically into their other units of study. So it is so worth it. One person I'd just like to acknowledge as really important part of the field school is Mira. Mira was so helpful with the connections locally with the disability organisations. She was so invested in this field school and 
and I continue to be in touch with Mira about other uh, areas around research, et cetera, as well. So that relationship and her investment and love, really, the way that she just went above and beyond for all the student groups when they were wanting to make connections with people in that second week particularly, but the way that she helped us with organising the experiences in the first week as well. So Mira was just an extraordinary contribution. Our listeners will have heard many different names and organisations and institutions as part of this podcast, which you might not necessarily be familiar with. So thank you for coming along on the journey with us about all those different people and organisations involved. And yes, a particular shout out to Mira, who is a disability advocate and has such incredible access and networks within the disability community, not only in Dili, but across Timor-Leste. Let me thank all of you for coming in to talk to us on the CX Stories podcast and also for contributing to what was such a highlight in my field school experience. It was an absolute privilege to co-lead this field school. Thank you all.